Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode, you'll hear Sandra Elliott. So I pass the phone. And my husband says, are you going to fuck my wife? That and more. But before that, I just wanted to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Casper. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash risk and using the promo code risk. That's casper.com slash risk and using the promo code risk. Risk. Now listen, this is extraordinary. Casper, that's C-A-S-P-E-R, they sent me one of these mattresses. They use a mixture of latex foam and memory foam. You actually get it in a box that arrives at your place. It doesn't look like it's the size of a mattress. You open the box and it goes whoop, 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 <laughs> and becomes mattress size. I have one of these things and it's the best mattress I've ever had. This is the kind of mattress that you'd be paying $1,500 for in the store. But with Casper, the most they charge is $500 for a twin or $950 for a king. Free delivery, free returns within a 100-day period. Just the right amount of sink, just the right amount of bounce. I'm in love with mine. It's experienced a lot of interesting occasions. <laughs> But it was also the perfect ending to my bed bug crisis of last year when I received this thing. So remember, Casper, you get $50 off toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash risk and use the promo code risk. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is Holy Fuck. Behind me now, that is really and truly their name. And we're calling today's episode Casual Sex with a question mark after the sex part because these are going to be three stories about people who, you know, engaged in some sex that wasn't supposed to be that big a deal, and then just, just was, kind of was that big a deal. In a little bit, we're going to hear from Sandra Elliott, who told her story not at a risk show, but at the Mystery Box show in Portland, one of our favorite shows from around these United States. The Mystery Box in Portland has sent us many a wonderful tale that we've run before, and we're going to have another one today from Sandra. But before that, 
we're going to feature Kate Willett, fantastic stand-up comedian based in Los Angeles, and here she is now at the Risk Live Show in Los Angeles. That's at the Nerdist Showroom every fourth Thursday. Here's Kate Willett with a story we call Plan C. Hey, you guys. So has anybody here been to Burning Man before? Um, yeah, it was, I, I had an interesting time this year. It was my third time going back, and um, I had never been sober before. I decided, like, I stopped drinking, like, five years ago, and I decided I was finally ready to go back to Burning Man, and I didn't know what it was going to be like, especially not taking drugs. I went out there, was feeling kind of overwhelmed. It's very hot, very dusty. There were a lot of DJs. I was camping with a bunch of people that were constantly on acid, which was like main activity. And I was walking around and after a few days, I was feeling really lonely. And I ran into this guy that I know from home. Like I see him from the back and I'm like, I would recognize that man bun anywhere. <laughs> He's actually my roommate. And we have been taking, yeah. We've, I live in a 23-person art commune, okay? So there's, like, a lot of them, you know? But I see him, and I just... I'm so happy to see him. We've been taking out the compost together every week for, like, a month. And, it, like, I had just always had, like, sort of a small crush on this guy. Like, he's really fun and charming and talks in a way about astrology that's, like, not as obnoxious as it seems like it's going to be. And... <laughs> I just see him, and, and I was like, ah, oh, Kevin, like, just, I'm so happy to see him, and it's just like, I just feel like there's this thing that happens, too, like, when you run into somebody at Burning Man, like, you pretty much have to fuck them, so <laughs> we walk around, we see art projects for a little while, and then we decide, like, okay, like, this is the moment, like, it's going down, we're just gonna have sex, we're in this incredibly free place, where here we are at Burning Man, and it's just like... I'm ready to do it, but then where, you know? Like, it's not that easy. Like, at my camp, they have a nonviolent communication slash circus arts workshop going on. <laughs> yeah. Back at his camp, there's, like, interpretive dancing the tarot. Like, it's... The <laughs> It's not easy, you know? It's just like everywhere there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, there's no kind of, like, quiet, private place to do it. Except for, we decide, like, maybe we can check out, like, the kink camp because we hear that there's an orgy tent there. So we walk over. There's a long line to get in. Like, <laughs> like there's, like, baby wipes, like, everywhere and, like, these, like, giant sandy jars of lube. Like, I can see my friend... I can see his face fall because, like, I know that his idea of an orgy was, like, that it was going to be some situation with just, like, all these ladies that look like they could be in porn being like, I'm bisexual, but mostly I just love your cock. And it was just a lot of regular people doing some pretty not regular stuff. We walk in. The first thing we see is this guy, and he's wearing, like, a giant leather utilicilt, and he is fisting a woman while barking like a dog, just like, ruff, 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 and she is loving it. I don't know what their relationship was, but I'm going to go with primary partners because they seemed pretty good at this, and... My friend was like, yo, okay, I don't know if I could do this with you here. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop whining and put out. Like, we... 
waited in line for 45 minutes to fuck each other. <laughs> He's like, okay, so we go in there, and you know, there's like 40 people in this room, and then they have like all these like kind of like foam mats laid out and stuff, and we start getting it on, and it's weird because it's like, I don't know what I thought he was going to be like. Like, he is a massage therapist, so I thought it would be really, like, sensual and stuff, but, like, immediately he starts fucking me like it's the freshman dorm, and he's been watching a lot of pornography. Like, just saying, like, all this porn shit to me, like, I'm going to destroy that pussy. I'm just like, ah, vaginas are pretty resilient, man. Uh, You'll probably have a moderately negative impact on a few areas of my life but that's the best I can do for you and he's just like he thinks it's so good like he's like yeah I'm crushing it like and I'm just like bitch I might call your mom like it's so bad and I'm thinking should I fake an orgasm like he's never seen a real one for sure and you're like he's like I'm gonna make you come I'm gonna make you come so hard and I'm just like yeah man whenever you want like have you ever been fucked like this before? I'm just like, no, <laughs> never. Like he's fucking me like he doesn't know that I'm a stand-up comedian. Like, <laughs> and then a few minutes go by and he finishes and I finish too, but like not because he was good at it, just because I'm a feminist and. <laughs> So I just start, like, putting on my clothes, and, like, he's like, Kate, I have to tell you something. And I just, like, I just don't want to hear what he has to say because, like, as a woman that has casual sex, like, you know what the, like, I gotta tell you something conversation is, and you just don't want to sit through it again. Like, I'm just not looking for something serious. And you're like, dude, don't insult me. I am going to marry somebody with a job. Like, it's like, (laughs) yeah, not in it to win it. But then he's like, Kate, this is really serious. And I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it? And he's like, the condom broke. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that, that is really serious. And I can't even get my head around what that even means, you know? Because I can't be a parent with this guy. Like, we can't have a kid. Like, no matter how many crystals he sells at the spiritual bookstore, <laughs> we're not going to be able to pull it together to support a fam. And... I definitely don't want to have an abortion with him. Like, I'm not against abortion, but just having one with him, thinking it through, like, it would be the worst, you know? He definitely would not pay for half of it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, maybe he'd give me, like, 20 bucks, and I'd be like, oh, you did good, because I would know that that was a lot for him emotionally and financially. And, like, we'd go to Planned Parenthood together, and he would be like, this is some really heavy karma, dude. And I'd just be like, oh, my God. How old am I going to be before I stop having sex with men who call me dude? (laughs) I'd, like, get him chips from the vending machine to calm him down, and he'd be like, I don't even know if these are vegan. And I'd just be like, I can't wait to kill your baby. (laughs) But then I'm like, as I sort of stop panicking I think it through and I'm like all right this is gonna be okay like they're obviously gonna have the morning after pill at Burning Man they're gonna have plan B at Burning Man of course they're gonna have plan B at Burning Man does Burning Man seem like a place that a lot of people have a plan A I'm like it'll be fine um so I just asked my friend I was like hey like it'll be cool like do you want to just come with me to the medical tent uh to get some plan B and he's like yeah I don't know, Kate. I mean, the vibes between us are just really not chill right now. 
And I was just like, okay, uh, um, okay, fuck you. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to handle this situation like the mature adult woman that I am. So I just put on my tutu and I got on my bicycle and it's weird. Like this part of me kicked in that I'm like, you know, what used to be like just getting really drunk, fucking like terrible guys is now just like, you know not being drunk and fucking terrible guys like it's just like a weird hobby like and it's not a hobby that like involves like a lot of self-worth all the time and uh, like all of a sudden this part of me kicks in that's like no I have to really actually be on my own side and deal with the situation like I have to pretend that I'm like my older sister or something and I I'm like okay I'm gonna handle it and I go to the medical tent and I get in there and it's just so full of dehydrated hippies everywhere and like I'm feeling optimistic about it because if I look around I'm like all right well they've definitely got plan LSD here you know like they've got like plan MDMA like there's a lot of different situations going on I go up to the nurse that's working at the desk who has purple hair and I was like hey excuse me do you have any plan B and she's like what happened and I was like well I was having sex with this guy. He's my roommate. It's not relevant to the situation, but we were having sex and the condom broke. We're definitely using a condom. It broke. And she's like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, Are you concerned about STDs? And I was like, you know what? I'm not too worried about STDs. I don't think a lot of other people would have sex with this guy. Like, (laughs) I'm a pretty special snowflake. Like, really, like, I have let people in my body that I would not let inside my apartment. <laughs> Love is blind, but theft is real. <laughs> and she's like, I am so sorry to tell you this, but we actually don't have plan B. I know it's weird, but this is just an emergency medical clinic and this isn't considered an emergency. And I'm thinking like, we have a huge misunderstanding. <laughs> it's an emergency that I don't have a kid with this guy. Like. He had to borrow my hair scrunchie before we had sex (laughs) to tie his hair back, you know? Thinking back over, like, the memories of taking out the compost, and it was, like, all right there, you know? Like, one time he told me that his two favorite activities in life were fucking things and relaxing. And, like, notice he didn't didn't say people, and I'm just like, oh, God, no. So I'm just like, is there anything else that you can possibly suggest? I don't know what to do. And she's like, okay, well, you're not out of luck. I have an idea for you. There's this woman in my camp that has a spell. (laughs) So then I just start crying. And she's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know what might work? You could go up to one of the rangers and ask if there's any feminist camps that are giving out tampons or birth control. Maybe they'll have plan B. So I was like, okay, that's that's a great idea. And I go up to the first ranger that I see. He's like this giant guy. He's got walkie-talkie and a clipboard. Like He just seems like he's going to be able to solve my problem. And I go up to him, and I was like, hey, excuse me, sir. Do you have any plan B? And he's like, um, what's plan B? And I was like, you know, the morning after pill. And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry, sweetheart. I just don't know about a lot of that lady stuff. (laughs) I was like, well, the basic version of what's going on here is that I am ovulating and I am full of semen and (laughs) we have got to turn this ship around. (laughs) 
He's like, okay, all right. I think I understand what you need, and you know who might be able to help you out is Camp Beaverton, the lesbian camp. I was like, I don't think these lesbians are gonna have birth control. You know, like these lesbians pretty much are birth control. So, like, I'm, so I just didn't know what to do. I went back to my own camp, and there was this lady who had tripped on acid the night before. She was bisexual, but she, on her acid trip, had a spiritual realization that she only wanted to be with women for the rest of the year. So. <laughs> She gave me her whole unopened packet of birth control for the month, and I just took it and I ate the entire thing, which was Plan C. <laughs> like I didn't like I there was no like Plan B actually is just a really high dosage of birth control, but like there was no there's we're at Burning Man like there's no Google searching like. <laughs> how much should I take? And I'm thinking in this situation, like better safe than sorry. Like the more time I think about, like I really just don't want to have this guy's kid. I'm just like, nah, like it, like it was a pack of nerds or something like that. <laughs> so I go home, I'm not pregnant. I get my period literally at that point, just dripping with relief. And I still live with that guy. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Welcome to the wonderful world of sex. Groovy. Can't you keep it in your goddamn pants? He had a violent erection. Don't act like you don't like me. You know you like me. Look, your nipples are hard as a rock. No way. Falling in love is great, but entering into a sexual relationship is a big decision. Don't be afraid to say no. The condom. Don't leave home without it. Oh, shit. The motherfucking condom broke. If it's not clean enough to put in your mouth, don't take it home and sleep with it. On New Year's Eve, 1998, I kissed my best friend Nick for the first time. My best friend Nick, whom I'd known for five years and watched him sleep his way through women and men, mostly men, I kissed him for the first time because we decided that we needed good luck for the next year. But that's not what happened. When we kissed at midnight on 1998, I know it sounds cliche, but it was electric. It was everything. I hadn't felt anything like that ever. And we were terrified. We ran away from each other for the rest of the party and wouldn't face each other until we had to face our hangovers the next day. And when we did, we got together ostensibly to talk and we fell into bed. And we spent the morning there and we spent the afternoon there. And at some point in the evening, Nick decided it was time to get up and get dressed and maybe get a little bit of food. But I felt so good, I didn't want to leave bed. So he's standing there at the dresser, putting on clothes. And I am wondering about this marvel of a thing that is happening between us. And he says, so what happens if I want to sleep with other people? 
I wasn't ready for that. I was unprepared. I had just had so many orgasms that I couldn't think. And so I said, uh, could we figure out what this is first? And he dropped it. And that's what we did. So Nick, little background story, he's from England. And he was meant to go back the next day, but no, he stayed for 10 days. He stayed for 10 whole days. And in those 10 days, we spent as much time together as we could. And we fell in love. Completely, ridiculously, goofily, in that way that everybody says, oh my God, you're so cute together. Isn't he gay? And, uh, <laughs> and I would say, well, if he is, he's faking it really well. And we did, and we fell in love, and I completely forgot about the question. At the end of the 10 days, we knew we had to get married. Not only because if we were going to have a relationship, we had to be married, literally, to live in the same country, but we also knew that we wanted it. It mattered to us. And so we invited friends and family, and we got married. And it meant something. It meant something to both of us who never thought that we would get married, who always thought that there were way too many barriers to that possibility. Fast forward two years. We've been living together for that entire time. We bought a house together. And we are learning how to live together. Obviously, we'd known each other for five years beforehand. Um, but we'd had a short relationship before we moved in together, and we got married. And so we're working out those little details, like you're leaving your toothpaste in the wrong place, or, oh my God, why can't you just put the dish in the dishwasher? And we're having little petty fights, little ones. And they really are petty, but the pettiness of them is starting to build into something more. And I don't know why. I don't understand why that dish is suddenly so important to me or why he is deliberately not putting it up just to spite me. And we are going round and round and round in these ways. And suddenly in the middle of a fight, my husband stops with this anguished look on his face. And he says, I feel like I have to cut out a part of me to stay with you. And I had no idea where that came from. And then suddenly, I remember him at the dresser before we got pizza, asking me, so what happens if I want to sleep with other people? And I remember back five years and seeing my husband flirt with so many people and so many people flirt with him back. Believe me, if you met my husband, you would flirt. <laughs> Everybody wants to sleep with Nick. And... I thought about all of that in one brief instant, and before I could even think of anything else to say, my mouth opened up and out came, I never told you you couldn't sleep with other people. <laughs> I said that. And I thought, oh my God, I'm a horrible wife. What kind of wife says that it's even possible for her husband to sleep with other people? I knew Nick. I'd known Nick for five years before we got married, for seven years at this point. I had seen him flirt his way across three countries at this point. 
I had seen men and women fall at his feet. And it was beautiful when he flirted with people. The world got a little bit more electric. You could feel it like 15 feet behind you when he locked eyes with somebody. And that was the man that I had fallen in love with. And there he is in front of me saying, I have to cut off a part of myself to be with you. That wasn't what I wanted. And I realized it at that moment. And bad wife or no bad wife, I knew that I wanted Nick. And so I said, this scares the hell out of me, hun. It scares the absolute effing hell out of me. But I love you. And all of the rest of that, wanting to be with other people, wanting to be with other men and other women is a part of you. So let's see if we can figure out how to make that work. So we sat down and we had conversation. And ostensibly, we were talking about both of us and what we could both do. But really, it was me setting up rules and Nick going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I sat down three major rules to start with. Number one, men only for now. Let me get used to that. I understand that I can never be a big bear guy with a mustache for you, but let's stick to this vagina for now. I'm comfortable with that. I've got one, let it fulfill you. And number two, I want veto power. If the man is creepy and gross, I want to be able to say no. And number three, which came out of my mouth in the same way that that initial exclamation of, I never said you couldn't sleep with other people, was I want a man who is able to look me in the eye and say, I want to fuck your husband and who's brave enough to come back and look at me afterwards and tell me about it. Because that way he knows he is a part of my life. So I figured it'd take a couple of years. Four weeks later, you know I'm a nerd. We went to a gaming convention. We gamed by day all day long, and sometimes well into the night. But eventually, people let go, and people started drinking and dancing and having fun. We're drinking, and we're dancing, and we're having fun, and I feel it behind me. That zing. Nick just locked eyes with somebody. And it's a friend of mine. Robert, who is tall and sexy with ice blue eyes and a chest that you just want to rob and if there was any heterosexual bone in that man's body I would have already boned it (laughs) but they lock eyes and I feel them walking toward me and he looks at me Robert and he leans down and in my ear he says I want to take your husband back up to my bedroom and fuck him senseless. I was jealous. Not because my husband was going to sleep with somebody else, because God damn it, I wanted to be that person. And I wasn't, and that was okay. So, they'd met my rule. 
And I kind of liked the idea of imagining the two of them together. So I said, okay. And then I spent the next hour or so dancing, trying not to imagine them upstairs. You know, leave them to themselves. They can do what they want to do. <laughs> I'm totally fine. No, don't talk to me because there's no way that I can make words right now. I'm just going <laughs> to be over here dancing and everything will be okay. And oh my God. And here comes Robert and he grabs me by the elbow. And he turns me off of the dance floor. And Nick is over in a corner. I walk over with him. And the first thing that happens is my husband puts his arms out and pulls me by the hips to him and gives me a kiss that is just as good as that one that we had on New Year's. And he says, I love you. And they told me all about it. And I want to tell you, but I don't remember a word. <laughs> Not a single frickin' word. I was just so relieved and so happy that what I felt for them was joy. I was excited that they had had that and that they were comfortable about it. And that despite the fact that he just slept with an effing Adonis, he came back to me just like he always had for years and like he'd never done with anyone else. So over the years, this continued. And my rules laxed because there was no reason for them. What happened was if people were not willing to acknowledge me as part of his life, he wasn't willing to allow them into his bed. That was just all there was to it. I was paramount to him, and it stayed that way. And I thought, this is perfect. And then, I went to a gaming convention. Nick didn't come. And I met a guy. Let's call him Ian. And uh, Ian and I talked, and he bought me a beer. And he got me talking about the Incredible Hulk, which is a great way to get me interested in you, and we spent four or five hours talking and enjoying each other's company and flirting, but that was as far as Ian was willing to go, because I have a ring. And this frustrated me, because, damn it, my husband can sleep with other people, why can't I? And I realized that I never actually thought about it. I never actually talked to Nick about it. All of the rules that we set down were about me being comfortable. And this was the first time that I had ever felt the desire to do something else. So what did I do? At the table, while we still both have half pints, I call my husband. Hi, Nick. Yeah, I'm sitting here with Ian. Oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty sexy. I think he's kind of your type. He's definitely my type. I'd like to take him back up to the hotel room and fuck him. He goes purple. Ian, that is. Would you be okay with that? And my husband laughs, and he says, you finally found somebody? And I said, yeah, I think I did. I think I want to do this. And he says, that's amazing. And Ian's like... So I pass the phone, and my husband, whom I can hear, says, are you going to fuck my wife? 
Ian says, uh, well, um, sir, I... (laughs) And Nick says, you better, because this is a rare opportunity and a rare woman, and you're not going to get anything like this ever again. So I took him back to my bedroom and we are in my hotel room and we fucked for a good four or five hours and it was wonderful. It was completely different than with my husband. It was animal and he had this ramrod straight dick that like hit exactly the right spot and oh my god, it was just wonderful and we fell asleep in each other's arms and literally the moment that I woke up, he looks at me and says, should we call your husband? And I said, yeah. So we called him, and we told him. And immediately, I went into, oh, bad mode. And I said, you know, I I didn't really arrange rules with you the way that we arranged with me, and I can understand if you're upset, and I'm sure, I'm not sure that this was okay. And he goes, Sandra, will you shut the fuck up? Did you have fun? I said, yes. And he said, I love you. And I said, I love you too. And that was 10 years ago, and we're still together. We've had partners, sexual and otherwise, since then, both of us, both men and women. And through that all, we have remained together, and we have remained important to each other. Nick, unfortunately, couldn't be here today because one of the things that's very important to him is community. And he is in Chicago right now supporting a community member of ours as they are entering a contest. And I encouraged him to do so because I know he doesn't need to be here to feel me say, Nick, I love you, and I am the person that I am because we are together. Darling, I adore you, and these years have been the sweetest of my life. Everybody knows our relationship is nice. It's a charming affair, and the way that you care makes it comfortable for me to share that sometimes. I just want to fuck somebody else. This is Risk. This is the wet spots behind me now. It's actually a recording they did at the Sydney Opera House, no less. And before that, we heard... Oh, yes. We heard Sandra Elliott. (laughs) At... A mystery box show in Portland, Oregon. And before that, we heard an interstitial by our own episode editor, Mr. Jeff Farr, that we call Violent Erection. We call the interstitial Violent Erection, and sometimes we call Jeff Violent Erection. For our last story tonight, we're going to hear from the great storyteller Shannon Kaysen from the Risk Live show that we did in Detroit about a month ago. Now, we had a hell of a time with the audio on that show, but Shannon happened to project 
in such a way that this one works. You can hear. <laughs> you can hear. And this one was just too good to leave behind. You've heard Shannon on Risk before and on Snap Judgment, but you got to check out his podcast called Homemade Stories. He's just one of our favorite people. And here he is now at the Risk Live show in Detroit, Shannon Kaysen, with a story we call If a Tree Falls in the Woods. Darling, like I told you, if it's not okay with you, then that's all right. I'll hold you close and love you every night. Pretending that I'm fucking someone else Pretending that I'm fucking someone else Really fucking banging someone else La 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 was the beautifulest woman I ever met or been with. You have to see her. She was, uh, she's stunning. Six feet tall, she used to model. Beautiful body, smart. You always gotta say smart, you know. <laughs> so you don't look like a complete asshole. <laughs> What she want with me, an underemployed dreamer? This is the kind of woman that a rich guy would have as a trophy, as sexist as that sounds, but it's true. So when she got pregnant, five months after my first wife had left me with our baby, Cindy was pregnant, and I looked at it as like a chance for a family again, like to get my life back. Five years, calling ourselves boyfriend and girlfriend, grown-ups, calling ourselves boys and girls, friends, <laughs> with a baby. I felt like, you know, it's time to be a man and I wanted to propose to her on New Year's Eve. We lived in Chicago at the time. I wanted to propose to her at one of these museum events with the men in the bow ties and the women in the ballroom dresses. You know, she would stand out against the beautiful view of the city and I would propose to her, but I waited too long to get the tickets and it sold out. <laughs> so we ended up going to a friend's house on the south side of Chicago with a big bottle of coconut Ciroc and some chicken wings and it just wasn't the mood that I was looking for and getting down on one knee. So I did. I waited to New Year's Day and I asked her in the living room and she said yes. 
This is when we, uh, a few years back when we lived in Chicago. Right after we got engaged, I had a chance to go to New York. I was selling custom suits at the time, and it was like a, a open in New York, and I always had wanted to go to New York. I, I like to write, and New York is a good place for writers and performers and for custom suits. So uh, <laughs> I went for a few months with my fiance's blessing. She's like, go, go to New York, for, chase your dreams, you know, make some money too. And uh, I always felt like I didn't get a lot of time to be single between Cindy getting pregnant and uh, my wife, my first wife leaving me. Now for engaged man cheats in New York and nobody knows is it really cheating? <laughs> I was always in the camp that the fallen tree in the forest doesn't make a sound. <laughs> I met Lisa on blackpeoplemeet.com. I bought a, a gift card at Walgreens because me and my fiance shared the same account and I bought a one month subscription to black people meet. That's where black people can meet. And uh, I met with Lisa, she was black. And, and she had she had wine, I had a beer, and we talked we talked about movies. She said, Team America is like the best movie. And I'm like, you must smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and she was like, no, it's so great. She kept on going on about it. So I left the date and I called my fiance later that night and uh, she had left our daughter with her grandparents and she was going out with this new friend she had, Megan, and they were going, I was like, go out and have a good time, you know, don't have too good a time, but go enjoy yourself. And right after I got off the phone, black people meet Lisa text me and said that she had Team America on DVD and that I could come over and watch it if I wanted to. We didn't even turn that shit on. You know. And uh, she kept going on, it's so good, I didn't let me borrow the DVD. <laughs> I met Veronica and Natasha at a Jay Dilla event at SRB Brooklyn called Donuts Off Forever. I had just got off work and I was suited up and, and it's amazing to be in Brooklyn listening to Detroit hip hop, you know. I'm a, uh, I am hung out in Dilla's basement. I recorded with Dilla one time. So it's just amazing, like being in Brooklyn, all these people listening to his music. And uh, I had just got off work, so I'm in the suit. And I felt like I was the only person in the suit. And Veronica bumped into me and said, you, you look good. And I remember she had cornrows in her hair. And she was cute. She had a banging ass body. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to her before the end of the day. And I went to the bar instead and I met Natasha. I bought a drink for her whiskey. And she was older, she was about my age, mature. And we exchanged numbers. And then I met up with Veronica and we exchanged numbers. So I ended up meeting two cool women 
And uh, Veronica was young. Uh, she liked to do a lot of public kissing. You know, when you're cheating, it's probably a good idea not to do as much public kissing. I don't know nobody in New York, but somebody could be traveling. You never know. And uh, she liked to do all this public kissing. But then when it comes to doing something, she'd be like, oh, shy. And, no, I don't. I'm a good girl. I don't. So I had to trick her back to my place in Crown Heights. And she knew I was tricking her just so she could play her shy role, you know. I told her I had a DVD of Team America. It's, you gotta see this shit, you know, it's amazing. So she act all shy, but we get there and she liked to have her nipples bitten really hard. I felt like I was gonna bite the motherfuckers off. And, and, and choke her with two hands. <laughs> then she go back to the shot. I've never done that before. <laughs> it was kind of a turn on for me. But I would, uh, I would call my fiance every evening. She was always hanging out with her friend Megan. You know, I'm like, that's cool. Have a good time. Natasha was sophisticated, you know. She was a working fashion or something, and she would get tickets to all these private events. I was going to storytelling things at shitty bars and hip-hop events, but she had like premiere events and these new artist reviews, and everything cost too much. You get a round of drinks, it's like $40. Can't afford that. So I remember once we was kissing, headed back to her place in the cab, going to Fort Greene and uh, we're going over the bridge. And it was like a scene in the movie, you know, I wish she was my fiance instead of some chick I just met. Cause it was a good scene, you know. It was a good scene over the bridge and stuff. <laughs> there was a single mom, Ileana, I met at a, at a Super Bowl party in Harlem. Everything with her was on the schedule, you know, she had kids. And this one lady, Harriet, from Chicago, I had flirted with her off and on, and uh, she came to visit me. So I was an asshole. It was a lot of women. So, but I talked to my wife, my, my fiance, and she would say that she was hanging out with Megan, and I'm like, I gotta meet this Megan, you know? She sounds cool. So when, it was time to move back to Chicago. I, uh, I felt like there was no consequences to this. This was like going to Vegas, going to the strip club. I mean, it's, it's not real. I told uh, black people meet Lisa. I was hanging out with her mostly. And uh, she got really mad about it. So you just been fucking around with me? for two months, and now you're going to Chicago to get married? You've been fucking engaged this whole time? You fucking asshole. Where's my DVD? <laughs> and uh, so I go back to Chicago from sowing my wild, wild oats, whatever that means in, uh, in New York and I go to Chicago and get married. It's funny thing, like, at the wedding, I finally met Megan, 
And I told her, you know, thanks for hanging out with my wife the whole time I was in New York. And she kind of looked at me strange, like she didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> a few months into the marriage, uh, my wife had something to tell me. She said she was bothered by something that happened the day before, and she wanted to be up front. She had uh, saw somebody that she had been aflame in the past, and they had a drink, and nothing happened, but she just wanted to be upfront and honest and, and uh, not keep secrets. I told her, that's no big deal. You know, I, you know you're running to people you, I've dealt with before. It's not a big deal. You know, as long as it was respectful, he respects you as a married woman. You know, not a big, big, big deal. You know, thank you for being up front. And she left the room to go to the bathroom, and I grabbed her phone. <laughs> and I'm not real big into looking into people's stuff. She used to check my phone all the time, but usually when you start checking into the phones and stuff, you're going to see something that you don't want to see, which I did. I saw that she had spoke to Megan the day before. So when she came back in the room, I'm like, who the fuck is Megan? And she looked shocked. And I'm like, in your phone, I know it's not the real Megan. I don't want to do all this lying back and forth, just be real with me. And she was. It was a guy, but she told me it was a guy that she knew before me. He was a well-off guy and she had stayed in contact with him and I never knew, I never would have known. I asked her, is this the Megan that you were hanging out with when I was in New York? And she was honest. Yes. I flipped. I'm not in a physical confrontation or anything like that, but I will throw some cheap shit around an apartment. <laughs> and she was apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Shannon. And uh, hurt people hurt people, right? So, I told her, you know, I've been fucking innumerable women <laughs> in New York. And no, that's a word I don't even use, innumerable. <laughs> you remember that girl Harriet that I, I introduced you to in Chicago? She flew out to, to, to New York to meet up with me. I've been fucking, for, my, my dick has pussy burns from all the fucking I've been doing. And I'm, I'm imaginative, I can say some vile shit, so, um, and I'm imagining, it's a bad thing I'm so imaginative too, because I was imagining her doing all the nasty stuff that I was doing in New York. So, it comes down to, I'm thinking that we gonna be divorced, you know. But it comes down to this, like, relationships can be simple, they can be, but usually they, they're not, usually they're complicated. I, um, we said some of the most vile things you can say to each other, and uh, you, say, you say the worst stuff for the people you love the most, stuff that we can't take back. I didn't want to lose my family, and um, I don't know if that's weak, if that's 
corny if the square, bitch ass. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I didn't want to lose my family again. Women forgive all the time. If she had forgiven me, I could feel it. But I hadn't forgiven her, and she could feel that. So I told her, I said, uh, whatever it takes. I love you, Cindy. Whatever it takes, let's figure it out. And that was, that was two years ago, and we're still figuring it out. I was just gonna say this, a lot of people go through infidelity. I ain't the only one. It doesn't always have to be the end. It can be the start of a, of a better conversation and better communication, so thank you so much. That is all for this week, folks. This is Rye behind me now, and we just heard from Shannon Kaysen. Now, don't forget, Risk is every fourth Thursday at the Pit in New York City and at the Nerdist Showroom in Los Angeles. We also have our San Francisco shows coming up on the 28th and the 29th at the Verity Club. We're doing those in conjunction with body storytelling. So we're looking for true sex stories on the themes of taboo and out of bounds. You can pitch me those stories directly at Kevin at risk show.com. That's the 28th and the 29th of May in San Francisco. And then our next out of town show is in Reno, Nevada. That is on, or no, Nevada, Nevada. I was a fan wrote into me and said, you're pronouncing it wrong. Okay. So Reno, Nevada, that is at uh, Cargo. It's on the 25th of July. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see. June. June is the sixth month, right? Is June the sixth month? And July is the seventh month. 
All right. Yeah. The 25th of July. <laughs> There's a cute boy in my bed right now who is <clears throat> helping me out with my, my months. So uh, Daniel says hi. Uh, let's see, folks, don't forget that we also teach storytelling. We are at the storystudio.org. We teach corporate workshops. We teach one-on-one -on -one training over Skype. We're about to unveil, we're about to debut our intro to storytelling course. It's a video lecture series with a workbook that you can do the workshop in your own time online. All of that is at the storystudio.org. Be sure and tell your friends that we are at risk-show.com. We are also on Twitter and Facebook, at Risk Show. And on Twitter, I am at the Kevin Allison. If you want to help support what we do, don't forget we're listener-supported. We're a proud member of the Maximum Fun Network. Just go to MaximumFun.org donate and become a member or make a one-time contribution and be sure to earmark it for Risk. Folks... Today's the day. Take a risk. Give your hemorrhoids a good tongue juggling. Looks like you brought enough stuff to move in. Did you plan on spending the night? No, 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 no. Rim, rinse, and roll. That's the game plan. But you did bring some things with you tonight. Oh, sure. I brought your mother's dick baked in a buttered sea biscuit, if that's where you're going. You got toys? Uh, mostly just the cucumbers and Vaseline. And what were you going to do with the razor? In a ferret and let her loose up the old wazoo. How about you? Two different kinds of vodka. In the buckets, yes. It's the same brand. I just accidentally shat in one. And what else? A horseradish and uh, pickle relish. Have you ever seen people have sex? It depends on what you mean by sex. And you want this girl to do some sex act with the cat and then you'll have sex with her? Well, how old's the cat? Explain that to me. <laughs> no. Smother me in your meat pillows. Well, I want you to do deep throat. No, no problem. Your goddamn gag reflex. Did you learn your lesson? <laughs> Sorry. What are you thinking here? Well, what positions have you tried? Do you know how to ride? Do you like dogs? <laughs> <laughs>